Ahoy mateys, this is Adrienne Barbeau, your nightlight, and you are listening to the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast. And yes, genius, you can call me Billy. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that only believes in the olivia newton john from xanadu kind of magic my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're kicking off the creepiest month of the year by kicking back and listening to a few tracks from some of our favorite creepy crawly soundtracks and if you like creepy podcasts uh, you can seek out our show by simply searching for nightmare junkhead wherever podcasts are played hit subscribe and when we drop our latest episode it'll download directly to your listening device of choice all up in your vinyl hole and if you're out on the social media uh, keep the creepiness to yourself if you want to come and hang out with us let's just say that uh, but we're out on social media you can follow us on twitter at nightmare junk and on facebook at nightmare junkhead and it's important to follow along on Facebook this time of the year. Because it's the most wonderful time of the year. I'm stoked, dude. There's so much cool shit coming up. It's going to be awesome. And as this episode releases on October 4th, we are already four days into Shocktober. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is go back and listen to our last episode where we talked with Adam Roberts of the Screenland Theaters, where there's almost 31 days, almost 31 horror films out, yeah. and we're four films in, four days in. Uh, already we know it's starting off grand. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Man. And as this episode does release on October 4th, if you're in the Kansas City area and you're listening on October 4th, make sure you have uh, k- keep your calendar cleared for that night because at 9.30, Genius and I are going to be hosting a film over at Screenland Tapcade. Mm-hmm. And when people think of like all-time great remakes, and you can even like narrow it down and say great remakes of the 1980s, inevitably... There's not a lot. There's two films, though, that usually come up. What would you say in the 1980s remakes? Mm. 1980s remakes, I would say one of them... Well, <laughs> I personally like... Uh, no, that's a hot Don't take. be the contrarian. Yeah, come that's on. a you hot You know take. what I'm going for. Nah, the Blob is one of them, man. Uh, I was going to say The Thing oh, and yeah. The Fly. I was going to say The Blob. <laughs> this is what happens when we did this before. Or actually, at the uh, if you were ever at the uh, the the Rambothon we hosted, yeah, where I in- <laughs> inevitably and in- um, didn't mean to, <laughs> but I gave up the answer to a trivia question. The genius, and he's like, "Greg, stop, stop, stop!" And here I'm going, "No, man, just the thing and the fly," because it's in the it's in the, the the pantheon of the the movies, right? Of remakes as well. No, but no, Chuck Russell's The Blob, the 1988. Oh, oh man! This is a, the mean version. You don't want to talk about gritty reboots. This is—it's not gritty. It's slimy. This, this is movie, gory. It's Tony Gardner's again. Come for Tony Gardner's effect work. Stay for Kevin Dillon's mullet. Yeah, it is top notch. Uh, you get classic Shawnee Smith in this film, mm-hmm. and also Chuck Russell, man. Ch- Chuck Russell at his He's peak, knocking it out of the park, dude. The previous and, year with Dream Warriors, and you get mullets, mullets oh, galore. But also you get. Um, Paul McCrane in a film, mm. and if he's in a genre film, you know he's gonna die horrifically, and oh boy, he does. <laughs> you guarantee a guaranteed good time, but unfortunately, and this is a it's this is the the most unfortunate thing we have to do here on the podcast yeah. is when we have to lament the passing of an icon. And since we recorded last, the horror community suffered a huge loss, and one that's like deeply affected people in the community to such a degree that not yeah. since the loss of like a Wes Craven or a George A. Romero did we really see the community come together. But no, of course, and sadly, Sid Haig passed since we last recorded. And he was one of the nicest dudes, you know? You, every, every time you'd see him at a con, he's always cracking jokes and, you know? And it's rare that an actor of his caliber gets such a career in like a late start late career renaissance the way he did Mm -hmm, because he's been working since the 60s and that's what's so funny is you look at his career and a lot of the horror community he is i mean let's face it he's most known for captain Captain spaulding yeah which is iconic Mm -hmm. which is that's again the reason he's so kind of beloved 
but I think the best part of everything and the age we live in now, it's so much easier to do, but you get to reverse engineer to go back and see the pantheon of madness that he's portrayed over the years and all the people he's worked with. It's unreal. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually got to see uh, spider baby not too long ago, which is that crazy weird Jack Hill film. But then his uh, work that he did with like Pam Greer, mm -hmm. uh, just throughout uh, you even going back to like his TV work. I mean, he was everywhere. Yeah, he was. And he was one of those guys, too, that it's kind of hard to see existing in today's day and age because he had a particular look to him. Mm -hmm. And he was obviously typecast as like a big baddie. But as you said, everyone knew him as just the nicest guy. But he played the part so oh. well. Well, he's a great actor. Yeah. That's the thing. You When you when you got him in a role, you know it was going to be classic. It was memorable. Even as like the, the judge uh, in Jackie Brown. Yeah. And like, whoa, it's Sid Haig on the good side of the law. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's being a lawful creep. You know? <laughs> but like I said, yeah. Um, and the reason we mentioned not only is to pay our respect to Sid Haig and his family and, of course, everyone in the horror community. This is Sid Haig for Nightmare Junkhead. Listen, I'll come over there and put my boot all up in your ass. But here in the Kansas City area, the same night on October 4th, over at Screenland Armor, a friend of the podcast, Jill Gavargazion, is going to be hosting a Sid Haig double feature. And you know, listen, the blob is mean. The blob is super mean. But man, you're getting a lot of mean. You're getting a, a lot of mean in one night. Uh, they're going to be screening Rob. It's a Rob Zombie Sid Haig double feature, House of a Thousand Corpses, and The Devil's Reject. That's going to be hardcore. You're going to need a shower after that <laughs> double feature. That's and I don't care. You know, um, Freebird be damned. It's still rough. But mm -hmm. I also wanted to give a shout out to Joe Gavargazion. Uh, you go back another few episodes. They talked, they were in the Kickstarter uh, campaign for the stylist feature film. And if anybody was going to pull it off, it would have been royalty. The golf <laughs> gangster princess is going to fucking make the feature. Yes. Congratulations. The royal decree has been made. Not only... This is where we'd cue in the hardcore rap music. Yeah. We'd be snacking on some rap, rap snacks. snacks. Oh shit! That's what we need to do. We need to. Hey Jill, if you're listening, we need to take like a congratulation video where we're just like throwing rap snacks. Yeah, just exactly. Them like that, <laughs> making it rain. <laughs> I'm not cleaning that up, man. That sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> but no, not only did they meet the the minimum goal, they actually hit a stretch goal. Yep. They raised sixty thousand dollars. Sixty thousand dollars now is going to go into making Claire a reality, the stylus a reality. Uh, then again, we know the mm -hmm. collaborative nature. We actually know some stuff that's going on. So again, congratulations, Jill. Congratulations to the future crew of The Stylist. Yeah, and I am totally stoked to see The Stylist. I'm, I'm, now that I know that it's actually going to become a reality, yeah. I'm like... Yes. Yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe our scalps could be up on a wall. So Woo! especially yours. You got that beautiful quaff of hair, man. Well, I try. Lather, rinse, repeat. Yeah. Always repeat. I swear if you go out to uh, LA, man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Over here, lady. <laughs> we've, we've got a little creep show too love going on here. I don't know where that came from. But save your energy because after Friday, October 4th, the very next night, October 5th, the Kansas City Horror Club. I was going to show the double feature you've been waiting for dream warriors you can have a chuck russell double feature yes you can my goodness wow. make it happen there we go we're gonna show dream warriors and american werewolf in london at the twin drive-in in independence ten dollars a carload 30 vendors spelling all their wares their spooky shit it's gonna be rad so if you need to already go ahead and get stocked up for the Christmas season for all any any and all horror fans, genre fans, mm -hmm. it's going to be a virtual smorgasbord of vendors. Yep. And then also two great films. Oh, it's going to be outdoors at night. Oh, it's going to be so slick. Especially when you see American Werewolf in London, because that's one where you do need a good crisp in the in the air mm -hmm. and we'll definitely have that i cannot wait cool night on the moors oh yeah stay stay on, stay the, on the stay off the moors <laughs> and then of course save your energy because as this episode releases that only means <gasps> two, two more weeks till nerdoween 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 two more weeks till nerdoween killer nouns that's right kids it's almost time for nerdoween what will it be what will the movies be you won't know until you get there but they're all killer something and remember your costumes for the costume contest so be there starts at six boom 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 boom, boom, boom. it is almost a realize now that's like literally going to be two more weeks i cannot wait yes i'm excited this is the 
fourth year we've done this. Um, three horror films. The lineup is rad. We are very pleased with the yeah. lineup. I'm pretty sure. One, and actually, one technically is going to be, and I've seen that. Oh, excellent. Which, and how's weird for that is, a, you know, a, a marathon we're programming, yet for me, I get to see it for the first time with the audience. So mm-hmm. I'm super excited for that. Uh, $10, and these do the tickets do sell quickly. Yeah. Um, th- so if you can, check them out at screenland.com mm-hmm. over at Tapcade. Now, we are kicking off the, as Eugenia said, the most wonderful time of the year. This is the month of October. There's been a countdown already since September started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People have Shit. been. <laughs> since November of last year started, man. Well, and it's it's interesting when you do a horror podcast, when you're talking horror all throughout the year. October is lovely. Don't get me wrong. I, I, and I'll be honest. I actually changed the decor in my office. I, I have a, a, a framed print of the movie Rad mm-hmm. with the Hell Track and the Seven Eleven. I switch it out for a ghoulish Gary Pullen exclusive of Fright Night. For real? Indeed. Oh wait, no, sorry, that's big trouble. My bad. Indeed. <laughs> but I mean, I do get caught up into it. Yeah. But this is the best part because then the normies get exactly. involved in the conversation. See, that's the cool thing about Halloween. Like for for us, every day is Halloween, and for a lot of people, every day is Halloween. But when the normies can get in, and when you can introduce normies. Yes. To stuff like oh you want to see some really cool scary shit check this out you know and like everybody gets into the spirit it's kind of like it, it it's totally christmas for horror and that everybody gets involved yeah and people are they're putting up their decorations see and that's the thing that's the thing that's bad about like me i i don't when i go and buy decorations for halloween it's not necessarily for halloween it's redecorating for the house for the rest of the year. <laughs> True. So. No, it's it's constant in state of yeah. Halloween flux, mm-hmm. if you will. Well, and then also, for the most part, when we talk about it, we're really busy during the month of October. Yes. Not only with the podcast, but then, you know, hosting various things, as we mentioned, Nerdoween. Also, we've got, then the very next night, Dismember the Alamo. Mm-hmm. We've got Carpenter Fest coming up. There's a number of wonderful things. Monday Mystery Movie Night. Yeah. Uh, there's it's October is crazy. But like <laughs> I said, it's the part where we get to really engage with a lot of the people that come out at the normal. But like you said, when you get to see the the normies come out mm-hmm. and you get to suggest things, which is, that sounds weird, but no, you again, like <laughs> hey, you see something scary? <laughs> so, sorry, so it goes off off key here, really quick. But we do have a number of things coming up here for the month. Um, we do uh, kind of give you a preview here. We are anticipating. Obviously, this will be the third year we've done it now, but we're going to program our own little 24-hour horror yeah. marathon. Just for clarification, we're not showing yeah, a 24-hour marathon. But no, this yet. is a go back to... <laughs> if, you could, if you can make a time machine, and maybe even just seven years, maybe I could do that. But now, oh my God, man. When it was going to be clockwork orange, and we're going to go 4D for you. Oh, Dylan, like, you just... Ah! <laughs> no, don't vidy me well that. That sounds awful. <laughs> but then we're also going to be celebrating our 200th episode. Yeah. The next one, which, and it was really funny. We didn't make any kind of a, a really r- rigmarole for our 100. In fact, if you li- if you go back, I mentioned, it's like, oh, this happened to be our 100th episode. I'm like, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yay. But we do have a special guest coming on for episode 200, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to kind of take a look. It'll be a, this is your podcast, Nightmare Junkhead. Uh <laughs> to tell the truth. <laughs> and then I believe we are going to be closing out the month uh, looking forward to another Kansas City horror event. And I, I, we don't have the guest book yet, but, you know, I anticipate it'll honestly, if that doesn't happen and it's a commentary track, you know, we had some scheduling issues. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> we wanted to kick off the month uh, with a segment that we haven't done in a while. And quite honestly, it's because I've been a really good or bad consumer i don't know how you look at it uh but we're gonna do a segment here we call what's the score where we kick back and listen to some of our favorite horror scores and soundtracks but the whole thing is we're listening to it here in studio Mm -hmm. so we're going straight from the vinyl off the record player and we're not you know vinyl snobs it just it it limits me it limits me i should say right that's why we only do them all the time we don't do them all the time exactly but no we do this like i said usually at least once every couple months now there's some podcasts out there that do this on a daily basis highly check out anything from the damn fine network uh the from an inspired by podcast again there are a number of those out there that are really good so make sure you're checking them out and like i said we really our whole thing is promoting physical media you know mm-hmm. be it the blu-rays um you know the the records get something physical if it's not physical yeah. digital is cool 
just don't pirate it because you know pirates walk the plank man. so that's the whole thing that we're doing here now again even if you go back to last halloween i believe our what's the score was kind of putting together a halloween playlist Mm mm-hmm and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. There was some dancing in the studio, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was. There, we did the Monster Mash, I remember right. Um, and go back and listen to that one before you listen to this one, because quite honestly, we're we're going a little bit more dour on this episode. <laughs> dour is not the word for it. We're going to get a little bit uh, creepy. creepy. And, and, and I added a crawly in there because your skin will crawl with a couple of the films that we'll be looking at here, or I should rather actually say listening to. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoy the spooky. I enjoy the dread. But then there's occasionally there's those films where you just get skeeved out and you get creeped out and you just feel unsettled. <laughs> and that's what we're technically, I guess, celebrating today. It's like, wow, what, man, I we need to go back and look at this and go, this is not a good way to kick off the month of October. We're going to skeeve everyone we're out. We're going to give you guys the creeps. <laughs> just like, just oozing through. No, we're not playing Sammy Kerr. No, yeah. So it's not like that. This is a safe mixtape. You're fine. I'd like to say we'll get the hackles up so you can do a little exfoliation there we go that'll work and we're actually going to start with a film and a score that was a big time discovery for us yeah and and you all you have to go back is to our first into the mouth of march madness tournament in the year of 1977 a george a romero classic that no one ever talks about no underseen underappreciated classic it's unreal how no one talks martin but I think it'll find its resurgence eventually. Um, in but, fact, it made it all the way to the Frightful Four round. It yeah, dominated it, 1977. Because it was just such an interesting movie, a weird take on like vampire mythos and and, and be, who, if you're human or not. A weird ambiguity going on. Right. A character study of this horrible, horrible oh. person and Colonel Sanders' vampire hunter. <laughs> it's... So like... And it was a first time watch for both of us. Yeah. And... I was so <laughs> the reason I've been the reason we don't have a lot of what's the scores here is because like I said I've been pretty fruit uh, I just have not been buying a lot <laughs> I've been a little bit more disciplined here but if you go back uh, to our Crypticon episode I mentioned that I picked up a soundtrack a score that I just couldn't pass up and I knew it was going to end up on our show and we will listen to the light a little bit later but I want to get regional here because i because I where I work, I'm not close to any of the record stores. I used to be really close. So on lunch, mm-hmm. on ra- just random stops, I'd go by and pick the. I'd look. That's another frugal factor. Yes, that yeah. I'm not near there anymore. Yeah. That's where I got the Reform School Girls soundtrack. Oh, Pat! Well, you can't turn down Pat. I you can't turn down Pat. Asked. Um, so I haven't been doing that. But here recently, on a whim, just out of the blue, I was like, I need to get out of the house. I've got a little money saved. You know what? I'm going to do a random record store just drop by. Uh, so I'm going to get very regional here in the Kansas City area. A little shout out to Josie Records. Drive by and I go immediately to the new soundtrack score. Really, because I'm staying on brand for the most part. Right. And they've got a lot of the good boutique, you know, the labels that are out there with the great artwork. But, you know, they're pricey. Yeah. Pricey buys. Yeah. So I realized I was like, you know what? I'm going to go look at the, the, the used ones there. If I don't find anything, I'm going to go back and run by the Hellraiser 2 score. Ooh. Little Christopher Young, right? Mm-hmm. Classy. Mm-hmm. So I go to the used bin, and it's all alphabetical. I get to the A's. I turn two records in, and all I see, and it's a very basic blank uh, album cover, except in the middle is a golden apple. And I'm like, oh, and I look, and sure enough, it's a promo copy for the Canon Films classic, The Apple. Hear me coming. Just a sick, <laughs> filthy retelling of the Bible. <laughs> and I have it now on record. And it's one of those that I literally did a double take because I was making sure, like, how did this end up here? Because I guess there's technically only, I, and I don't even want to say it's a good few because, let's face it, it's not the best musical. It's not the best movie. But it's weird as shit. It's canon. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, my God, that's I've it's, already. And we're canon for canon. We are canon for canon. So, so I'm like, I've scored at this point, right? Right. right. Hear me come. And I'm not being gross. I'm just literally right. going along with the song. <laughs> right. Well, I'm going along there and I'm already just like, oh, this is a good day. This is a good day. <laughs> right. Well, I get to the M's and that's when I come across the Martin score. Ooh. And it's got the classic cover with the teeth and everything. And again, I'm looking around going, man. This is in the used bin. This is normally one that you would find in the new. So I'm like, this is unbelievable. I'm like, man, I this isn't going to get any better. And then I get to the S's, 
and I come across the uh, the score for Scream for Help. Oh, hey, how's it going, everybody? Not that one. Not the hider oh. in the house. Oh, okay. Scream for Help was the one that we watched here. It was the crazy Lifetime movie. Oh, that one that got insane. Yes, with the home invasion and everything at yeah, the end. Yeah, 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 that one there. So I, I'm just, it was a great score. So thank you, Josie Records. That was unreal. And because of that now, and because of Josie Records, we are going to be listening to the score of, of Martin. And I'm going to basically play, for the most part, it's going to be a Martin suite, if you will. They're, we're going to start with the opening track, and then we're going to kind of go from there. And now, of course, like we do in True What's the Score, we're going to talk and share our thoughts because... I have a feeling I talked to you. We were talking off mic. You don't really remember the score to this, do you? Mm-mm, I don't. The, it is, it is unreal. It's, um, I was just taken back on the weird and the, awfulness of the movie. Well, it's composed by Donald Rubenstein, and it is. Is that Richard Rubenstein's? I do not know, but there's there might be the Romero connection there. Yeah, with even within John Harrison and Busquay and all those cats. No, mm-hmm. it's a Pittsburgh thing, definitely. Yeah, but we're gonna open it up here again. Uh, this is I'm curious to see how you react because, like I said, this film is all sorts of like it's all it's, sorts of wrong. It is, but the score. Let's see what you guys think. So again, this is gonna be the openings uh, opening crawl to Martin. First impressions on that spin there, genius. It sounded like, um, one, it sounded like an old gothic vampire story, you know? And then with the singing, it just, like, sounded really sad and morose. And very. it just lurched like a funeral bar. It's a dirge, just, right? Yeah, and just, just lurched on, but just somber and sad. And it for context of the movie... One, you not you have the vampire aspect, so even just like you know, you already have the vampire thing, but then you're not ready for how just sad and everything in this world is. So okay, good. It does give a sense of remorse yeah. and morose, right? Yeah, that's the one thing I was struck by when I was rewatching the film is just the power of that score yeah. and just how truly sad it is. Mm-hmm. And just it's because when you think of Romero and his zombie films, you have kind of a stark contrast with like Goblin and what John Harrison did with something just so introspective. Yeah, it is. And it's, I think it was ultimately, it was not only a combination of the, the vocalization, but then the, the, like the clarinet Mm -hmm. and uh, there was just a combination of that, that really reminded me. And I've played you some of his music before, but there's a musician by the name of John Zorn that I'm a really big fan of. He's this really crazy prolific composer, but he draws upon a lot of, um, ancient like um, Jewish mysticism 
uh, into his music and he'll utilize clarinet a lot um, interesting organs so he has this really weird instrumentation and that's what I really love with this particular piece that we hear here mm-hmm. is just that and it's something we don't hear too often on what's the score for right. the most part it's usually jaunty this it's, is not jaunty this like is, I said if this is but, go back and listen to the Halloween one initially but Martin is not a jaunty movie I mean it's like a like it, it it's a draining it literally is a vampire movie just and if you and even in the opening scene where this is accompanied with you get immediately the stark contrast and again the ambiguity of is martin a vampire or not because mm-hmm. he has this whole there's and it's just horrific assault scene and it lays out everything you need to know in the film yeah but it po- plays two ways it plays in his mind, and you get this really classic black and white imagery. Old gothic. And it's very romantic. It's mm-hmm. almost as if like there's a storyteller narrator from another, like in another movie, basically. Yeah, and just showing off like in, the, in his own vampire story. But yet in the real world, he's doing horrendous shit. And it's shot gritty, yeah. grainy, It's and it is gnarly, like you said. And that's the one thing. There's ambiguity in the film regarding whether or not he's a vampire mm-hmm. but there's no ambiguity whether or not he's reprehensible yeah and he's just he's he does need to be taken because he is a, he's a serial rapist and a serial killer rapist yeah ultimately mm-hmm, exactly and it's not and our hero ladies and gentlemen I, and that's but that's just it but you want to go on the journey just to kind of see what makes him tick it's kind of like uh 70s vampire henry it's just it, it has a man bites dog feel and it's one of those films and i think maybe this is why it's not as wildly well known is because it isn't a fun film Mm-mm. like i said when i we when we watched it the first time it was a very revelatory experience for both of us yeah but when i revisited it even off my guys like oh, it's still a good movie but man it's it's it puts you through the ringer yeah because you do spend your entire time with them but one of the things that i think that the score really nails and as you mentioned before is the sense of isolation mm-hmm. and that's what's going to get into as we go into another uh, uh cut here now again unfortunately i'm i'm a little bit older here so i'm not actually going to name the names here like i said this is the martin suite uh but i do want to make sure we are utilizing it was put out by uh ship to shore media and it's again a wonderful release that we're looking at. Again, just remember this like iconic it's imagery. It's a cool pick. Too. It's fantastic yeah. with the razor blade. So we're going to go into our second bit from the Martin soundtrack, again done by Donald Rubenstein. And again, second part of our Martin suite. Thank you. 
not, I guess. Okay, so we listened to four different like parts. I didn't like the first three, and I'll tell you why. The first one sounded like what's going on in my head with like the bells and the whistles and the bring ding ding ding. I feel like when I have an idea, that's what's that's like what's the soundtrack in my head. Okay, so I didn't like that because it like made me weird. I was like, yeah. Second one, I didn't like that one because the knocking, I kept thinking somebody was behind me knocking on the door, which I guess for Martin makes sense. It's appropriate. And same thing with the like madness in the head. Okay. The third one, the third one I didn't like because it made me feel like I was on a boat. (laughs) It made me feel like I was on an ocean because it was kind of like sway back and forth and boom, boom. To borrow a phrase from the crab feast where you're getting sea queasy. Yeah, it felt, it, I felt like I'm on a boat and I don't like it, you know, because I don't want to be on a boat. I don't like being on boats. And then the third one, the, the fourth one, I thoroughly enjoyed because it sounded like a hippo about to do shenanigans. You know, like like a cartoon hippo. Like, it, it was really nice. I mean, I was like, that's a lovely change of pace. The fact that you can go from sinister to shenanigans in the in the blink of like, you know, a bass oboe, basically, that's kind of nice, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, that, I'm not saying that the music is it, it's just I didn't care for those three things because it, it scared me. You know, I mean, like, so, but I like the I like the hippo shenanigans. There's, Even though there's no hippo in the yeah, movie, sadly there there's is no hippo doing shenanigans. There's there there are few little to few no shenanigans in this film. In fact, the only thing that I would call shenanigans on in the movie Martin is you get a mustacheless Tom Savini, mm-hmm. which is just so unsettling. There's shenanigans in itself. Which no, it screams shenanigans because someone had to have shaved it for him because he's damn sure well. He's like, can't I keep this, George? Come on. And then also you get George A. Romero showing up as a priest at the end. And, you know, it's really funny. The dead giveaway is because he's he's a clean shaven. But you know what he's doing while he's talking? He's smoking. smoking. Of course. He's got big old giant glasses. And then I told you, Colonel Sanders, vampire hunter. That's the hippo. That's That's the He's dressed up like Colonel said. I say I'm always slaying this vampire. This Nosferatu has bitten his last. (laughs) (laughs) And you think we're joking. It's no, it's quite literally. It's his cousin in the film. And even his cousin in the first 15 minutes, he basically says, you're evil. Yeah. Yeah, If you kill, just do it outside of the, the city at this point. And that's the only thing that he like. He ultimately ends up where he, you know, spoiler alert for, you know, a 40 year old film. You know the very and then there's really kind of a low body count for the most part mm-hmm, in this film, mm-hmm. but uh, the, actually the most the one that really kind of unsettles me initially is when he does the whole home invasion. Yeah, the home invasion's messed up. Which and it's weird. You talked about Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, and that's another one that's got a great score that I wish I could find because again, that's another movie I have to prepare myself for, mm-hmm. and I think that's. What I thought I was doing with this movie was a preparation for what's the score, but it turns out I need to prepare myself to watch Martin again. It's yeah. bec- it's fallen into that kind of film mm-hmm. for me, which is not a bad thing per se, because Henry was one I, you know. Yeah, but that's always weird when he, it's the stumble upon, because we it's, stumbled upon Martin, but now we know like we need to prepare for ourselves for this movie. But at the first, when we first, I'm like, this movie is fantastic. I mean, and it is. It's a great movie, but... It's one I'm glad we discovered, and we're going to go ahead and close that. And again, I cannot recommend picking this up on physical media. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure there are bits and pieces of it on Spotify. I've seen it out there. Um, I, we can't do this the, the soundtrack and enough credit. Um, again, just the it's haunting. Also, again, I mentioned John Zorn talking about the kind of the magic of the Internet and just how weird the podcast is. Uh, but we actually had a guy by the name of Doug McCarthy. He reached out to us and had listened to Jill's uh, episode on The Stylist, and he was kind of so inspired by the short film that he went out and he he's a he's a musician, and he wrote a short little piece dedicated to The Stylist. And, you know, we hooked, we, you know, retweeted it, and Jill, you know, thought it was like really cool. And it's like, cool, we got a new follower, someone listening, and it was good music, too. Mm-hmm. I really dug it. It had this really nice, hypnotic, yeah. good structure to it. And... Sure, it was, just, and I mentioned something like it kind of reminded me of John Zorn again. Going back to this, but ultimately, I uh, saw and again on the magic of the the Twitter, someone was needing someone to utilize for score, and I happened to mention I was like, hey, I just happen to know this guy named uh, you know Doug that's really good. 
he's he now is like working and making you know music for this short film. Oh, Doug! So congratulations, if, Doug! If you're listening, uh, shout out to you. And again, as you know, hopefully you're digging the music here. Uh, but I was just it was just kind of cool to see that happen. Yeah. That kind of weird connection. Again, I'm the socially awkward introvert. This is for podcasting for me is being social. Right. Again, if we've got a dozen listeners, there's at least a dozen people I'm hopefully talking to Mm -hmm. for the most part. Uh, But Doug, hopefully you're out there. Uh, This this is uh, your uh, what's the score episode. So congratulations on getting, you know, work like that. And so we're going to end everything here with the Martin soundtrack with it. I'm going to try to get it lined up here again. I'm old. I can't see the seams here. Uh, But the last track is steak. Well done. (laughs) And with the sound and the bills, we have the passing of one Martin. Oh. Just a little bit more unsettling, eh? Yeah, that was weird. There was no uh, hippo shenanigans on that one, man. No, and honestly, it was quite worth it just to hear your uh, laughter at the pun there with the steak. <laughs> so that in itself was worth it. Now, again, I can't really do this album enough justice. It is. It's definitely sad, mournful, mm-hmm. but oddly hypnotic, beautiful. And it, it, it's weird how it ends with Ode to Joy. You know, after everything said and done, such irrehensible shit, such a sad journey we went on, the final, like, is Ode to Joy. Yeah. That's Well, they, they finally got a predator off the streets. So. There we go. And I will say this, just the feeling of loneliness and isolation that Martin gets, I think this film would pair really w- interestingly with another film uh, that came out just a few years later called Fade to Black which uh, may or may not be uh, in the uh, Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament coming up here for this next year. Possibly. Potentially. Now, the next creep that we're going on here, too, and this is one truly to get your hackles up on. Uh, This is a film that was a... I've seen that for both of us, and it was one that we didn't even give an honorable honorable mention in the uh, Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament for 1988, and it's unreal because now I've grown this really weird odd relationship with this film and a lot of it is stemmed from the score but we are of course talking frank hennelotter's brain damage hey there pally (laughs) hey there genius it's a film that if you haven't seen do yourself a favor there's an arrow blu-ray go out buy it see it at all means come back to this Marvel and the weirdness of the film. It's weird as shit. It's it's a PSA for hallucinogenics. It's, it's a horror PSA. Don't don't do drugs, kids, or you're gonna have a brain worm in your head. It's gonna be crazy. That movie, it's filthy. It's wonderful. It's Hennenlotter. I mean, if you don't, if, if that's all you have to say. It's yep. Hennenlotter. But it's got a very, and we're going to go from somber and melancholy to a little bit more upbeat and weird. Uh, Not only is the film weird, but the score itself is weird, as done by Gus Russo. And this was uh, an album I picked up at Crypticon, thanks to our friends over at Paul Bearer Press. Uh, this comes from TerraVision Records, uh, along with Splatter University. Uh, TerraVision put that out as well, which, again, I love what they're doing there. But this is one of those films, when I was watching it, I was really digging the score. And I'm glad that I've actually got this on record now, because this is one that we did an entire episode for brain damage. Yeah, uh, Go back. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll have some stories to, sh- to share as well as we go on. Uh, but this is much like what we did with Martin. This is going to be kind of a sweet uh, because as with the I love the vinyl. It looks great. It's got all the crazy colors on it. But again, I'm getting old. So the little seams there. It's always tough, but we are going to start with the intro and we're going to make our way throughout. And of course, we are going to, uh, we might just end up with, it's just Elma's tune. I don't know yet, but we're definitely going to get there. But we're going to go ahead and kick off Brain Damage with the intro track.
Too, too much of a contrast what's going on there the first one sounded like it was shenanigans for hippos but you know like you need to go see fantasia or something my friend <laughs> I don't know because why. we've got some sort of weird something or other going I on think there. i got buck flowered but um <laughs> no i just could just see like the elmer doing his thing and like yeah just being all silly but when you first said the opening intro i was half expecting to hear that couple uh, freak out and scream it, it you need comically yeah you need those elements though because you forget because if you listen to the the score itself it is kind of dreamy and that's the other thing that ultimately that plays with both of these films is a is a through line is not only is brian and martin both creeps but there's also an addiction element to mm-hmm. both of the films as well yeah and what I love with this, you know, the, the somber melancholy you get with the Martin score here, it translates, like you said, to some more shenanigans, but also it's got more of an ethereal feel. Yeah. Like feel. Literally listening to the light. Because it's just. Ooh. And that's the other thing that you miss out. But what again, what I think works when you get the collaborative effort is the weird visuals <laughs> that go on in this film. Yeah. Along with then what you kind of when you think about what well, what's listening to the light like. Well, maybe it's just like, you know. This Gus Russo film, you know, score. Mm-hmm. It, it just has that feel to it. Yeah. It's, there's just, like I said, there's just something that's just kind of wonderfully appealing. Yeah, it's lovely and it, how it creeps in. It does. It's nice. Now, there's a scene in, a, in, in Brain Damage that has probably my favorite audience re- I, I no it's not even that one it's not that scene that said oh this will never be a movie night yeah <laughs> not that scene although that did seem play interesting uh, on the big screen uh the one i'm talking about is the peewee's bike gag chain oh, version yeah and but it's built when when you have brian when he's going through withdrawal and Elmer starts singing to him and that's what we're going to listen to we're going to listen to and this we're going specifically to it it's uh Elmer's tune and it's not elmer it's the elmer as you would get but no please enjoy this because this is try not to sing along i, I should say i'm trying not to sling, sing along in the back but sing along at <laughs> home if you want to this is elmer's tune why are the stars always winking and blinking above what makes a fella start thinking of falling in love it's not the season the reason is plain as a moon. It's just Elmer's tune. What makes a lady of A go out on the loose? Why does a gander meander in search of a goose? What puts the kick in a chicken, the magic in June? It's just Elmer's tune. Listen, listen. 
There's a lot you're liable to be missing. Sing it, swing it, any old way. And in the old time, the hurdy-gurdies, the birdies, the cop on the beat, the candy maker, the baker, the man on the street, the city charmer, the farmer, the man in the moon, oh, sing Elmer's tune. <laughs> Hi, hello, Brian. How are you? How are you doing? Hey, of course I'll help you, Brian. You and I are pals. I'll be happy to help you. <laughs> it's just Elmer's tune. <laughs> Oh, that was wonderful. That was, for me, worth the price of the album alone, was getting that, to be able to do that on a What's the Score? Because in the midst of watching the film for the first time, I'm like, this is absurd. Because all you, and if you've never seen the film and you're only hearing this for the first time, what Uh, you're not seeing, (laughs) how would you describe the Aylmer without offending anyone, Genius McGee? Without without offending anybody? Without offending anyone. Uh, Parasitic giant dick-looking monster worm and that's for the uh, the pg audience out yeah, there for yeah the most part uh, richard. <laughs> richard but like yes. it's, a, it's a big it's literally an earworm and it lives in your brain and it looks like a big singing dong it does look like a giant penis yeah but but with the aylmer what he's got the most soulful little eyes the little sad eyes like her and the the effects and the voice and elmer's turn we're friends there, genius. You, hey and me, there. Yeah. you give me what I need, and I'll give you what you need. And Aylmer plays as the parasitic dependent. And it's, in, like I said, both of the films, they're, they're interesting because, like I said, with Martin, he's, you know, the, the, the vampirism is ambiguous. We don't know if he's a vampire or not, and it doesn't matter necessarily if he is or not. But, but in brain damage, we know that the shit's real. Yes. <laughs> there is a literal, you know, fiend parasite that is, you know, addicting him. And, with the, and again, he's listening. You're going to listen to the light. You know you're on there, apparently. And it, it it's a sad film. Both of the films are very sad and tragic. Now, granted, again, Martin definitely deserves the comeuppance. Brian is a creep throughout, man, because ultimately he kills his girlfriend because of Aylmer. Mm-hmm. He's killing a lot of innocent people. Nothing to say of the uh, the heady scene that happens in the film. But it's hard to say. It's hard to say that uh, a Hen and Lauder film is dour. You yeah. know, there's a lot of. <laughs> There's a lot of shenanigans. Oh, no, there is. The, the first scene when Brian and Elmer are playing in the tub and he's just having the best old time and mm-hmm. Elmer's spitting water at him and everything. He looks like the bathroom buddy. Yeah. That maybe if uh, what's his bucket from Gremlins had invented. Yeah. <laughs> Although that one you can get in the water, apparently, and you're OK. Oh, yeah. You no. can get it wet. Yeah. Elmer thrives in the water. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just such a weird film. And it's one that, like I said, I've seen on the big screen now, thanks to Terror Tuesday. <laughs> And that scene, it <laughs> Amber and Christina, they both laughed throughout. But it, it was more of a, ugh. Like, yeah, Amber throughout, was you could hear, ugh. Just like, just how grotesque Elmer is. Mm-hmm. And even when he unveils himself and he's about to inject the juice, you see the monstrosity that he truly is. You know, he loses the facade of those, those charming eyes and the voice and the body. But ultimately, the film culminates in one of the weirdest scenes ever. And it fades, you basically fade out. But what we're going to listen to is we're going to listen to the end credits. And again, the uh, the score is put out by Terror Vision Records. Uh, it's phenomenal. It's also, um, I've heard it on the YouTube. But again, if you can't seek it out on vinyl, get it, get it physically somehow. Make sure mm-hmm. you're not pirating it because this is just stuff. Again, you're listening to the light. And we are going to listen to the light with the end credits.
And out goes Brian, and out goes Aylmer. That plays more into the true sinister aspect of it. Because this is a mean movie, too. Oh, it's all a the, horribly mean movie. All the giggles and chuckles and laughter and blowjobs aside, there's it's... <laughs> it's mean. I, I mean, think, and you know, both of these could play interestingly as double features. You know, if you wanted to just go through the addiction, yeah. double feature. If you want to go to the unclean double feature, you the, the Hen and Lauder meets Romero. Uh, and why wouldn't you? Forty Second Street double feature that would play perfectly yeah. as a Forty Second Street yeah, double feature. Uh huh. And again, you're getting two wonderful films, and with Hen and Lauder. This is one of those films that I'm really, again, I'm upset that I missed the boat on, but at the same time, I'm glad I've got to experience it now to the point where, you know, having the Blu-ray, seeing it on the big screen, and now getting to play, you know, bits and bits of the score, it's kind of come full circle, which Mm -hmm. is kind of perfect. Now, we wanted to close things out with our creeps, our closing creep, if you will, uh, with a little... And honestly, you know, we've we've done a what's the score to this. In fact, it's one we'll probably have to do a what's the rescore because it was back when we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> uh, if you and, you know, we talked Nerdoween. Uh, if you went to our third Nerdoween, we closed out our oddly anthology marathon with this particular film. Mm-hmm. This is one that's in the DNA of the show. Yeah, I think you could say. Oh, absolutely. It's got all of the favorites that we everything we celebrate with Nightmare Junkhead. You could probably encapsulate in a film like this. Mm-hmm. And we are closing out with a little bit. And again, we've listened to it before, but we're going to go out with the closing credits of Creepshow. Yes. And before we go out on the closing credits, because, again, we've done bits and pieces here. Uh, this will be our Shutter shout out. Yep. But if you were not aware, uh, Greg Nicotero is now the showrunner of a little anthology show on Shutter called Creep Show. Yes. It's back, kiddies. There was m- much ado when we, everyone found out this was happening. Uh-huh. And what I've really dug with Shutter at because Shutter is dope. But when you were, I think for me, because Creep Show 3 was such a fucking train wreck at times Tales from the dark side's a great movie what do you it's okay okay yeah that's true but like yeah the excitement for it and then like okay here comes creep show let's see what they got but then nicotero and then i'm like it's gonna feature adrian barbeau and stories by stephen king and you're like oh okay they start putting this pedigree together for the show and you realize all the time that nicotero has been working on the walking dead i'd like to think it's been in preparation for this Mm -hmm. because if you know it uh what's kind of cool is he got his start he got to go to a set visit on the original creep show which is where he got his introduction to Savini um, and then because uh, he knew Romero from back in the day. Uh, and then that's when he then got on to like Day of the Dead and when he started working on the crew. So you want to talk about another, you know, creep show. The creep show is in the very DNA of your, of, if you're a horror fan, mm-hmm. you cannot help but get around it. And so when it was announced that Shudder was putting that together, you know, and listen, we're obviously huge fans of Shudder. It's not in a sponsor at all. We do no. a Shudder shout out because we enjoy we it. Just like it, yeah. Um, we liked it so much, we bought a membership. <laughs> and honestly, <laughs> if if, you, if we only have one word about why you need to get Shudder, it should be this: Pom. Um, one cut of the dead is available. It's amazing. You know what's incredible? No, and I shouldn't. I don't want to send them shame anyone, but I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of people that said they didn't like one cut of the dead. And, and again, if they don't like it, I understand. But then they were kind of ripping on it, saying how stupid it was and this and that. And, See it in the theater. It'll change yeah, your mind. Dude, I saw it in the theater at Tapcade, and I saw the transformative power come over who I think probably was that kind of audience. These Again, the peripheral viewing here, guys, I really am not a creep, although it is appropriate. We are scoring with the creeps <laughs> this episode. Uh, but I, I saw they were kind of literally like, yeah, I've seen this before. In the initial what thirty seven minutes? Yeah, in the first twenty seven minutes or so. But just wait, and then, that's a, that's a that's a exercise in patience. Yes, because yeah, much like Captain America said, you know, patience is a reward, it's a virtue. Mm-hmm. Because when you see when they start filling in the gaps of everything, yeah, I saw them when you I saw them making the connection, and the smiles grew mm-hmm. and they grew, and I could see their hearts growing. You know, it was incredible. By the time they were done, they were so enraptured with everything. It's such a great journey you go on. But anyway, that's one cut of the dead. Definitely sorry, check sorry. it out. Going back then to uh, the, the but, purpose of the show here. Yeah, creep show, the new creep show on Shutter. So uh, I want to make sure this is going to. So it's they put it together. It's going to be a weekly anthology, two twenty-five minute roughly episodes each week. And here's what I love about it is they're not putting it all out at once. Mm-hmm. They're doing this on a Thursday night. This is going to be Thursday night event television for many of us whores. The way they did the same thing with Joe Bob on Fridays. Yeah. 
I, I can we talk about it? I was gonna say at this point, if you don't have Shutter, make sure you're checking it out. It again, and I, I know that there's talks with something else that you guys are maybe doing as well. But this is your chance. See it. Come back because we're gonna spoil everything. Because we're gonna talk. We're gonna give our kind of mini review of this, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna close the show out. Not with the gonk and Romero, but with the end thing with Creepshow. But mm-hmm. spoiler warning: the first episode of Creepshow, Genius McGee. What'd you think? It's fucking rad, man. I thoroughly enjoyed it. All the little, the Easter eggs, the 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 um the the movies, they're scary. The little stories. It was a very cool way to open it up with a, the Stephen King, uh, one of the Gray Matter, and I didn't know what to expect when when he comes out. When you first see him, not when you uh, final reveal, but the uh, mid reveal when he's got when he's the in the bandages. Bandages is like, ugh, and he looks all like it uh, was very unsettling. It was extremely unsettling. Well, okay, the Easter eggs in and the, themselves there for the most part, you could feast on this. You could like lay them out and have like a city full of children still not find them. There are so many throughout mm-hmm. the entirety. And what do you think of the creep? I like the creep. The only I just wish he talked. Yeah, you you do need a little bit more interaction on that one. Yeah. I definitely understand. I thought he looked pretty good, but he looked um, awesome. He looked dope as shit. The comic book aesthetics, and he's the, real. Yeah, that's the good thing. He's real. That's the that's the one of the things I knew with Nicotero being on there. That oh, there's going to be a get. lot of, and you know what? Even the CGI because he directed the first story. Mm-hmm. Even the CGI that he did was really well done. It was minimal. Yeah, it was a flash or two, and they kept it in the dark. Yeah, which is what you need to do because I think if anything, if it showed us with another Stephen King property, mm-hmm. keep it in the dark, man. Yeah. Keep it in the shadows, and that's what they did. But and no, great. No, gray matter. I really liked. And oh, man, you want to talk about this? Is the through line here just addiction and trauma? Yeah, you get in Martin in brain damage, and you really get in gray matter. Oh yeah, with the beer, but with also in just the 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 crippling dependence of with abusers mm-hmm. and just the the systematic the cycle all within a scary monster movie yeah it opens up with and you want to talk about horror pedigree yeah and i now actually i know who's going to be opening our bumper here uh you can call her billy genius <laughs> when you get adrian barbeau back in creep show oh that that is if romero was here you know he'd be involved yeah i think this is that this I, is that that kiss of that that stamp. I think he would be very well pleased. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know? Well, the fact as as many people have pointed out, Nicotero is slowly transforming. Forming Romero. It's crazy. Getting it's, the big glasses. It's, it's wonderful. I love it. The ponytail's getting longer. Um, but then we also get uh, not Creepshow royalty, but Stephen King royalty. Because if you, he's got a blanket and you'll miss it cameo. In Maximum Overdrive, be a Giancarlo Esposito, mm-hmm. which I was immediately like, oh shit, I totally didn't even think he'd show up for Creep Show. Right, and then Tobin Bell. Tobin Bell, again. Jigsaw himself. You get wonderful icons in this, and that's that's the adult role, and that's what carries it throughout, and ultimately I was so happy with it, but yeah, the whole story itself is, it's kind it's, of unsettling. It's fucked up. It, it's <laughs> very, it's very thing-like. It, did you get a lonesome death of Jody Verrill as well? I did, because with the mold and the, how it kind of like at first, she's like, oh, it's on the... So it's built around this little boy who's basically... The, the, an entire town has been evacuated due to a storm, mm-hmm. and he's coming for his dad's beer, his like weekly beer run. And the whole thing is built around, you know, his the, the mother passed away, the father starts drinking, and it's solely... It's the consumption thing. Yeah. And there's that shot throughout of, I'm going to stop soon. And he clicks open another beer. And he can't. He just and keeps getting more and more and more. And you realize, of course, this is creep show. So Ill as shit's as, gonna go down. As sad as that is, it's gonna be. It's could it be a transformation? Is it gonna be a figure of you know what? What's gonna be the not the twist, but what's gonna? Mm-hmm. Is, is are there I, twists with creep show? Sort of. You okay. know something. You know something ill's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, a, but you just don't know what. But, yeah. Right? The what and the where? Because I knew he was gonna turn into something. Well, and as you mentioned, we get a slow like show of a transformation and right. that initial shot with him in the bandages when he's just ooey and gooey, gooey and burnt but and you, yeah it was so unsettling and then when you ultimately get the full reveal as you realize the little boys led them into a trap mm-hmm. because he and oh 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 speaking of like easter eggs that initial uh shot of all the pets gone missing yeah Cujo was in there uh church was in there uh-huh and i uh there i i'm I'm pretty sure there were a number of other Stephen King. All these other pets. And then the Grady twins from yes. The Shinning. And you re- you realize, so uh, pets have gone missing. Kids have gone missing yeah. in this town. 
And then the full ultimate reveal See, is... He knew ill shit was going to go down. He's gone from the alcohol to the, the human flesh. Yeah. And he's he's trying to stop. It's just he's, you know... He just keeps going and going, but he... it. it it was like an old Dark One's tale because he oh. turned in total like Cthulhu. Yeah, and that's the monster reveal was great because he had that unhinged jaw. Mm-hmm. It worked really well, and it's like you would almost with Father's Day. You get the ultimate reveal of a monster, but also the monster, even if it wasn't gnarly and grotesque, the story that's going on between the father and the kid and that, again, that relationship, the abuse that's going on there it's and the dependency. Up, yeah. Oh, it's horrible. It's mm-hmm. horrible. It's That's why it works as on the scare level. But then also as an adult now, when you go and you go, oh, damn. And then you realize he's an enabler. Yeah. And he even uh, says, well, because he's yeah, my dad. he's my dad. Yeah. You notice the, the little jacket he was wearing? Uh-uh. The little slicker? Oh, for Georgie's? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a number of things. Now, that one was a good one. I really loved Gray Matter. But the one that stood out for me, the one that gives me the most confidence in Creepshow from go- here going on out was the next tale. The house of that was the haunted head, I believe. The, the house of the head. The house. Oh my! That goodness. gave me that gave me the fucking creeps. And you know what? Nobody died. There was no well, real. Well, well, I mean, you know, eh, no no living person died, and no no real dolls were harmed in the making of that. <laughs> there was a child front and center, and she wound up okay. So you know Did when she? You know when Stephen King. Yeah, that's just it. I'm holding my breath the entire time. (laughs) Me too. I was thinking this is creep show. Some ill shit's gonna go down. But it was, it was, it was scary. It gave me the like the heebie-jeebies. And it's all built around a little girl in her haunted, well, in her dollhouse. I shouldn't say haunted, but she's in there. She's playing with it, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this little decapitated head shows up in the dollhouse, and it's got this ominous music, Mm -hmm. and it's just shot so simply. But it's scary. It unnerved me, that entire thing. And then, like, then she would leave, and she'd come back. And And it's the most simple thing, and everything's been moved. And, like, the denizens in her house are, like, looking up, pointing up to, like, the the, the attic and shit. And it's it's so funny because I was so enraptured with this tale because Mm -hmm. the whole thing when she... Now, was that uh, Daniel Hurd? As the shopkeep. Yeah. So we got the chud, you know, going back to the little chud. Oh, my God. I was so happy with that. But he makes that whole thing about, you know, figurines. The kids are figuring things out with their figurines, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, they're trying to tell you a story based on these doll interactions. And all you get is it almost played like Stephen King's cat eye a little bit. But all you get is her going back to the house. She'd go away. She'd come back and everything would be moved. But inside, it was like a taut haunted house story oh, it, it, was it, was like, it was a crazy taught horror played out with these little dolls that don't move and i'm not gonna say that they were able to capitalize off a little film that you know utilized doll as well but see see if they if if, if hereditary would have done something with the dolls that would have been different well paisan he didn't get to his doll playing stage until probably like a year after he possessed the kid so we would have gotten there ass clown well <laughs> Uh, anyway, back to this dollhouse because yeah. this one was rad. This one, it was unreal. And then she ultimately then, and you want to talk about the Easter egg of Easter eggs. Yeah. A film we did a commentary track for, um, for Creepshow. And again, there's Easter eggs all throughout. But this one, when it happened, I almost texted you, <laughs> but I didn't want to ruin anything because I didn't know if you had seen the film yet. But do you want to introduce this one there, oh, Genius? Oh, hell yeah. So she brings in the she brings in a, a, an old chief because she's like, I need like a priest. And they didn't have a priest doll. Yeah, the doll. And she goes, well, how about a Native American? They're extremely spiritual. And she goes, okay, cool. I'll get a warrior and a chief. And she puts this wooden indian doll and it's fucking old chief Woodenhead. i'm like yatta hey old chief Woodenhead, yatta hey right i was just waiting for like another one thanks for the ride dolly you know and just like it was great actually i was hoping for a uh shopkeeper figurine it would have been a little like um george kennedy figure with the martha in tow and then what's this one doll with the long, long hair? hair it's really silky <laughs> Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the, she has Chief Woodenhead as a figure. It's so rad. It it's was amazing. Rad. I was so happy with that. But but it, but it bummed me out when he got decapitated. I was like, no, not Chief Woodenhead. So and even before Chief Woodenhead, she brings in a like a police officer figurine, and they, they, they and then the doll family finds it down the stairs decapitated. decapitated. I'm like, poor Smith Smiths. 
I felt bad for the Smith Smiths. I, I was like, this was a scary haunted house story in doll form. So this was directed by John Harrison, who uh, directed Tales from the Dark Side and also scored Dawn of the Dead, or excuse me, uh, Day of the Dead. Um, so he's got, again, a, a huge pedigree with the Romero family. Mm-hmm. You're, they're keeping it in the family. He did and great. It's, it's unreal. Like I said, if this is what the kind of horror we're going to get with Creepshow from the good old fashioned, you know, um, analogy monster to something inventive like this. I am so all in. Yeah. I am um, excited for this show. The, um, the transitions were great. Yeah. The tr- comic book feel. It, it's everything that I was, uh, and listen, I went in with trepidation. Me too. Cause I had heard early rumblings that everything was like, I'd heard mostly positive. Saw a few negative this and that. And I'm like, ah, but I was like, you know, I went in. So I didn't go in with lowered expectations. I went in with like fragile expectations. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But the expectations were shattered in such a good way because like I said, everything that here on out, I cannot wait for Thursdays. Yeah. Like this is oh, yeah. now event television for me. This is, I'm oh. clearing the schedule ideally on Thursdays. This is going to be rad. And uh, can we mention what's going on? Okay. Okay. I'll let it uh, Anyway, keep your eye out your ears out on everything on that so um but we're going to close everything out here in lieu of the gonk as we normally would we're going to play you off with the the closing credits from creep show with the uh, the creeper and what have you and um this has been a f- again i have to heavily edit this because what you didn't hear was throughout again i'm getting old i've got all the lights on in this place and i'm st- i still can't see the things it's horrible <laughs> so when i usually joke this is like a lazy episode for us this is probably the hardest ones i have to edit i'm it's easy to record but it's yes <laughs> the post the post yeah do it in post fuck it we'll do it live so until that time this is greg d i'm genius mcgee and we'll see you in your dreams good night kiddies Thank you.